Be not afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which will come to all people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Glory to God who has given us salvation in his Son, Jesus Christ. Glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Indeed, glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Merry Christmas to all of you. Thank you. It is a joy to have you here and to have family and friends and visitors join us for our celebration of the coming of our Lord. Whenever I ponder the Christmas story, each year I'm astounded by three things in particular. You might think after almost 20 years of full-time ministry, I wouldn't be so astounded, but I think I'm more astounded every year as I ponder what it means that one, that no ordinary child, no prophet, no angel was born in the stable in Bethlehem, but that God himself has come among us. I read just today in preparing for the sermon that one of the early church fathers said, in the incarnation, that is when God became man in Jesus, in the incarnation, it was the coming of God to man. And in his cross was the bringing of man to God. So that there's no ordinary child there, but God himself has joined himself to his creation. As one of the early church fathers tells us, God became man that we, by his grace and mercy, may share eternally in God. Secondly, that we, because of the incarnation, are the adopted children of God by grace. We are the adopted children of God by grace, and all that is the Lord's is ours by adoption. And that the Father loves us with the very love he has had for his own Son from all eternity. And then thirdly, that God not only became man to adopt us into his family by grace, but to give his life for us and to rise from the dead, that death need no longer be the final word over us. These three things, these three thoughts, fill my heart with what I believe the gospel writer, St. Luke, was saying. I bring you good news of a great joy which will come to all people. 
So let's look at number one. That is no ordinary child who has been born in Bethlehem. He is greater than any prophet that God has ever raised up. He is greater than all the angels of heaven put together. He is greater than any king who has ever lived. That child is truly Emmanuel, God with us. Can you imagine for a moment, open your heart to the joy of what we're celebrating, and imagine for a moment that God so loved you that he came himself. He didn't send a messenger. He didn't send a prophet. He didn't raise someone up. He came himself because he so loved you. And Jenny and Karen and Brenda and Emily and Jermaine and uh, Paul and Bob and Nancy and Matt. Praveen. <laughs> if you were the only ones to have ever lived, he still would have come into this world. Because God's love for each and every one of us is so great that as you've heard me say before, he cannot imagine eternity without us. And so he came himself into the world that we may know him. He shared in our humanity that we might share by his grace in his divinity. And when he comes, all the darkness is scattered and sent to flight. For he is the very light of God, which has come into the world. This isn't mine. I wish I made this up, but I read it or heard it somewhere along the line. Uh, and I've often thought about it. When you look at all the glory of the stars in heaven, when you're out on a very clear night. When I lived in Labrador in the subarctic, I used to say it was easier to count the dark spaces than it was to count the stars because you could see so many. With all the glory of the heavens filling the dark sky, shining forth their light, when the sun comes forth, the glory of the sun is so great that we can no longer behold the lesser glory of the stars of heaven. Once the sun rises, all other glory fails in comparison. And the darkness is scattered and the day breaks. And so it is with Christ Jesus. Not an ordinary man, not a prophet, not a king, not an angel, not even an archdeacon. <laughs> but God himself. 
Imagine the love God has for you that he gave up eternity in heaven, his throne in heaven, the glory of heaven to take the form of a child, to be born in a manger because he loves you. And could you imagine the angels being creatures themselves created by God and not having the knowledge that God has, must have cried out in horror to see the infinite God becoming finite, to see the eternal God becoming temporal, to see the one who could not be born being born and beholding the majestic one take the form of a helpless baby placed in a feeding trough for animals. Could you, can you imagine, just for a minute, what their horror must have been like to behold the glory of God from ages past and then to see God himself humble himself. And as he descended from the realms of glory into the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And when he was brought forth and laid in that feeding trough for animals in the manger, when the angels cried out, But you are God. Why? He answered them, with your name. You are the reason why. For God so loved you that he came into this world. Secondly, that we are the adoption, adopted children of God by grace. How many sons of God are there by nature? The answer is one. Does anyone know? One. Wow, Father Bob, I tell you. <laughs> the Christ is the only Son of the Father from all eternity. He is the only one who is God's Son by nature. And yet He comes that we may, He becomes one of us that we may become the children of God by adoption and grace. And all that He has from all eternity, as the only begotten Son of God, is yours and mine. This is why we rejoice. Because all that is His, all the glories of the heavens, all the creation, all of eternity, all of his majesty, and even the very love that he has had from his Father from all eternity is yours. Is yours. What did you do to earn it? The same thing I did. Nothing. He came not because we earned it, or because we deserved it. Or because we made some really good arguments before him. 
Well, you got a good point there. I may have to become man and die on a cross. Right? I mean, that's not how it works. Right? He came simply because he loves you. And you might think, oh, Father Michael, that's easy for you to say because you're a priest and you're all holy and everything. Well, I got news. I got news for you. Look how my wife is laughing. That should be your first hint. No, he came for the fallen and the broken and the sinful. He came to show his love and acceptance for those who have rejected him. Because he loves. And who does he love? He loves you. And so all that is his is now ours. Everything. We will even be seated with him one day at the very right hand of the Father in heaven. Because everything that is his is ours. Can you see why we rejoice? God himself came after us because he loved us. And he came after us and he then made us his children by adoption and grace and gave us everything. He created us in his image and likeness and wanted to love us forever. He would be our God and we would be his people, but we rejected him. And what did he do with that rejection? He loved us even more. And he came after us himself. You know, I used to live in a house that had two floors when I was a kid. And my brothers and I, there were six of us, we'd be downstairs and, you know, we'd be making too much noise. And my father would say, knock it off. He sounded a little bit like Cecil B. DeMille whenever you call down from upstairs. And then we, we continue, knock it off. And we would for a while, but then the fear would wear off, you know, and we'd start to, you know, get all stirred up again. And then he'd say, don't make me come down there. Right? Don't, and then that was it, man. You did not want him coming down there, right? But you see, it's the opposite with Jesus. He says, I'm coming down there. Because I love you. Because I cannot abandon you to sin and death. Because I cannot allow it to be the final word over you. Because I can't imagine eternity without you. Because he loves us. And everything that is his is ours. And then number three, that the reason he came was to confront sin, and death himself upon the cross. Imagine a God who is so in love with you that he comes into this world, adopts you as his child, and then dies for you. Confronting your sin, my sin, your death, my death, himself in the flesh. He passed through death. So death need not be the final word. I remember, and I've shared this once before, but I remembered um, 
Uh, when, when my, uh, you know, prior to when my dad died almost 14 years ago, sometimes I found that I was afraid of death. You know, we all get a little scared sometimes when we think about it, right? We don't think about it. That's what they're, right? We all get a little scared. But I remember when my father died, I wasn't afraid uh, anymore. Does anyone know why? Because whatever it is, whatever death is, he passed through it. And I trusted that my dad wouldn't allow anything to hurt me. He had already gone right through. He, con he confronted it. And then it dawned on me, I was a priest, my goodness gracious, that's the way I'm supposed to already feel in my heart about Jesus. He has confronted sin and death himself in the flesh. Death cannot hurt me. It can no longer be the final word over me. It no longer has to be the end. And we, we live. I am resurrection and I am life, saith the Lord. He that believeth in me, though he should die, yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And then what's the very next verse? Yes! Where did it go? Careful on the arthritis. Okay. Um, <laughs> right. He said it. Jesus said, Do you believe this? I am resurrection and I am life, saith the Lord. He that believeth in me, though he should die, yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And then the next verse, he says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And if you do, death no longer has the final word over you. I remember when Christine and I were first married. Um, I, I, it wasn't very long at all, and I, I was having a, a pain in my stomach. It kept growing worse and worse and worse. And then finally I said I had to go to the, the doctor. And I told her I was, I was scared. I wanted her to come with me. And we went and we were waiting to see the doctor. And a nurse was walking by and she looked out and saw me. And she called for others and they came and she said, get him in here right away. So we went in and the doctor came in. And he was very worried, and didn't turn out to be this, but he was very worried that I had um, a, a belly aneurysm and that it was rather large. And Because I remember he looked at my stomach and he said, that's rather large. And I, said, <laughs> I said, you're going to hell when you die. No, I didn't. I didn't. He said, that's large. But he was so afraid. And then they rushed me to the hospital, and they couldn't get my blood pressure, and everything you know, was going wrong. And I remember when I was waiting in, in one room in, in the hospital, um, I suddenly uh, could smell Vitalis. <laughs> Anyone remember Vitalis? Yeah, Bobby, yeah. I used to... And, and I felt very sure 
that my, that my father was there with me. And I, and I remember saying out loud, Dad, are you here? And I remember feeling something take my hand. And I remember saying, thank you, Jesus. That's right. Because though we die, yet shall we live. We shall never die. And I felt as if someone was holding my hand that whole time. And we were, we were just married. And um, after about 10 minutes... I felt in my heart these words. Continue to walk with God, son. Your new wife is coming. And with that, the curtain came back and Christine was standing there right in that second. Now, I was on large, large doses of painkiller. But our God does reign over death. And this is why he came into the world. And we need not be afraid. So what do we rejoice over this night? Number one, who is that child placed in the manger, the feeding trough in Bethlehem? Who is he? God. I mean, you're killing it tonight, man. He is God. God himself has come. He is Emmanuel. Number two, if you pass this test, the sermon ends, so I'm just saying, okay? Number two, because God has become man in the person of Jesus Christ, we who are in him are the what of God? The children, by adoption and grace, the children of God. And everything that is his is ours. Now that's a Christmas present. Amen. And lastly, he so loved us that he could not allow, he couldn't imagine eternity without us. So he confronted Sin and death himself, where? On the cross. And rose in victory over sin and death forever, so that all who believe in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. This is what we celebrate this night. This is our faith. This is what our God has done for us. And why? Because he loves you. Glory be to God on high and peace to his people on earth.